Book Second, Chapter Fourteen of A Day of Fate by Edward P. Rowe. The Slibrivox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Like Many Waters. Book Second, Chapter Fourteen, Love Teaching Ethics. On reaching the farmhouse, I went directly to my room, and I wished that I might stay there the rest of the day, but I was soon summoned to dinner in miss warren's eyes still lingered the evidences of her deep feeling but her expression was quiet firm and resolute the effect of the sermon upon her was just what i anticipated in case my hope had any foundation it had bound her by what seemed the strongest of motives to be faithful to the man whom she believed had the right to her fealty well i thought bitterly life might have brought her a heavier cross than marrying a handsome millionaire even though considerably her senior. I'm probably a conceited fool for thinking it any very great burden at all, but how, then, can I account? Well, well, time alone can unravel this snarl. One thing is certain, she will do nothing that she does not believe right, and after what Mrs. Yocomb said, I would not dare to wish her to do wrong. Mrs. Yocomb did not come down to dinner, and the meal was a quiet one, Mr. Yocomb's eyes glistened with a serene, happy light, but he ate sparingly, and spoke in subdued tones. He reminded me of the quaint old scripture, A man's wisdom maketh his face to shine. Whatever might be said against his philosophy, it produced good cheer and peace. Ada, too, was very quiet, but occasionally she glanced toward Miss Warren as if perplexed and somewhat troubled. Mr. Hearn seemed wrought up into quite a religious fervor, he was demonstratively tender and sympathetic toward the girl at his side and waited on her with the effusive manner of one whose feelings must have some outlet his appetite however did not flag and i thought he seemed to enjoy his emotions and his dinner equally mr morton he said impressively you must have liked that sermon exceedingly indeed sir i replied briefly i have scarcely thought whether i liked it or not both he and miss warren looked at me in surprise indeed all did except reuben i beg your pardon but i thought mrs yocomb expressed herself admirably he said with somewhat of the air of championship she certainly expressed herself clearly the trouble with me is that the sermon is just what mrs yocomb would call it a message and one scarcely knows how to dodge it i never had such a spiritual blow between the eyes before and i think i'm a little stunned yet a smile lighted up miss warren's face mrs yocomb would like your tribute to her sermon i think she said what most bewilders me i resumed is to think how mrs yocomb has been waiting on me and taking care of me i now feel like the peasant who was taken in and cared for by the royal family i think our friend mr morton is in what may be termed a frame of mind said mr hearn a little satirically yes sir i am i replied emphatically i believe that adequate causes should have some effects it does not follow however that my frame of mind is satisfactory to any one least of all to mrs yocomb your contact with the truth said mr hearn laughing is somewhat like many people's first experience of the ocean you are much stirred up but have not yet reached the point of yielding to the mysterious malady i was disgusted and was about to reply with a sarcastic compliment upon the elegance of his illustration when a look of pain upon miss warren's face checked me and i said nothing 
lack of delicacy was one of mr hearn's gravest faults while courtly polished and refined in externals he lacked in tact and nicety of discrimination he often said things which a finer fibred but much worse man would never have said he had an abundance of intellect great shrewdness vast force of will and organizing power but not much ideality or imagination this lack rendered him incapable of putting himself in the place of another and of appreciating their feelings moods and motives the most revolting thought to me of his union with miss warren was that he would never appreciate her he greatly admired and respected her but his spiritual eyes were too dim to note the exquisite bloom on her character or to detect the evanescent lights and shades of thought and feeling of which to me her mobile face gave so many hints he would expect her to be like the july days now passing warm bright cloudless and in keeping with his general prosperity they will disappoint each other inevitably i thought and it's strange that her clear eyes cannot see it when mine can it is perhaps the strongest evidence of her love for him since love is blind still she may love and yet be able to see his foibles and failings clearly thousands of women do this but whether the silken cord of love or the chain of supposed duty binds her to him now i fear that mrs yocomb's sermon has made her his for all time her manner confirmed my surmise for she apparently gave me little thought and was unobtrusively attentive and devoted to him he had the good taste to see that further personal remarks were not agreeable and since his last attempted at witticism fell flat did not attempt any more our table talk flagged and we hastened through the meal after it was over he asked emily what shall we do this afternoon anything you wish she replied quietly that's the way it will always be i muttered as i went dejectedly to my room through all his life it has been anything you wish and now it would seem as if religion itself had become his ally there is nothing to me so wonderful as some men's fortune earth and heaven seem in league to forward their interests but why was she so moved at the meeting-house was it merely religious sensibility it might have been we were all moved deeply was it my imagination or did she really shrink from him and then glance guiltily at me even if she had it might have been a momentary repulsion caused by his drowsy heavy aspect at the time just as his remark at dinner gave her an unpleasant twinge these little back eddies are no proof that there is not a strong central current can it be that she was sorrowful in the meeting-house for my sake only i've had strong proof of her wonderful kindness of heart well god bless her anyway i'll wait and watch till i know the truth i suppose i'm the worst heathen mrs yocomb ever preached to but i'm going to secure emily warren's happiness at any cost if she truly loves this man i'll go away and fight it out so sturdily that she need not worry that's what her sermon means for me i'm not going to pump up any religious sentiment i don't feel any it's like walking into a bare room to have a turn with a thumbscrew but mrs yocomb has hedged me up to just this course oh the gentle inexorable woman satan himself might well tremble before her there is but one that i fear more and that's the woman i love most gentle tender-hearted as she is she is more inexorable than mrs yocomb it's a little strange but i doubt whether there is anything in the universe that so inspires a man with awe as a thoroughly good large-minded woman 
i could not sleep that afternoon and at last became so weary of the conflict between my hope and fear that i was glad to hear miss warren at the piano playing softly some old english hymns the day was growing cool and shadowy but i hoped that before it passed i might get a chance to say something to her which would give a different aspect to the concluding words of mrs yocomb's sermon i had determined no longer to avoid her society but rather to seek it whenever i could in the presence of others and especially of her affianced they had returned from a long afternoon in the arbor which i knew must occasion miss warren some unpleasant thoughts and the banker was sitting on the piazza chatting with ada i strolled into the parlor with as easy and natural a manner as i could assume and taking my old seat by the window said quietly please go on playing miss warren she turned on me one of her swift looks which always gave me the impression that she saw all that was in my mind her color rose a little but she continued playing for a time then with her right hand evoking low sweet chords she asked with a conciliatory smile have you been thinking over mrs yocomb's words this afternoon not all the time no have you how could i all the time oh i think you can do anything under heaven you make up your mind to do i said with a slight laugh the look she gave now was a little apprehensive and i added hastily i had one thought that i don't mind telling you for i think it may be a pleasant one though it must recall that which is painful the thought occurred to me when mrs yocomb was speaking and since that your brother had perfect peace as he stood in that line of battle she turned eagerly toward me and tears rushed into her eyes you may be right she said in a low tremulous tone well i feel sure i'm right i know it if he was anything like you oh then i doubt it i'm not at all brave as he was you ought to know that you have the courage that a veteran general most values in a soldier you might be half dead from terror but you wouldn't run away besides i added smiling you would not be afraid of shot and shell only the noise of a battle in this respect your brother no doubt differed from you in the grand consciousness of right and in his faithful performance of duty i believe his face was as serene as the aspect of mr yocomb when he looked at the coming storm as far as peace is concerned his heaven began on earth i envy him mr morton i thank you for these words about my brother she said very gently and with a little pathetic quaver in her voice they have given me a comforting association with that awful day oh i thank god for the thought remembering what mrs yocomb said it reconciles me to it all as i never thought i could be reconciled if herbert believed that it was his duty to be there it was best he should be there how strange it is that you should think of this first and not i will you pardon me if i take exception to one thing you say i do not think it follows that he ought to have been there simply because he felt it right to be there why mr morton ought one not to do right at any and every cost that seemed to me the very pith of mrs yocomb's teaching and i think she made it clear that it's always best to do right i think so too most emphatically but what is right mrs warren that's too large a question for me to answer in the abstract but is not the verdict of conscience right for each one of us i can't think so i replied with a shrug 
about every grotesque horrible act ever committed in this world has been sanctioned by conscience delicate women have worn haircloth and walked barefooted on cold pavements in midnight penance the devil is scarcely more cruel than the church for ages taught that god was it's true that christ's life was one of self-sacrifice but was there any useless mistaken self-sacrifice in it if god is anything like mrs yocomb nothing could be more repugnant to him than blunders of this kind she looked at me with a startled face and i saw that my words had unsettled her mind if conscience cannot guide what can she faltered is not conscience god's voice within us no conscience may become god's worst enemy that is any god that i could worship or even respect mr morton you frighten me how can i do right unless i follow my conscience yes i said sadly you would in the good old times have followed it over stony pavements in midnight penance or now into any thorny path which it pointed out and i believe that many such paths lead away from the god of whom mrs yocomb spoke to-day miss warren i'm a man of the world and probably you think my views on these subjects are not worth much it's strange that your own nature does not suggest to you the only sure guide it seems to me that conscience should always go to truth for instructions the men who killed your brother thought they were right as truly as he did but history will prove that they were wrong as so many sincere people have been in every age he did not suffer and die uselessly for the truth was beneath his feet and in his heart dear brave noble herbert she sighed oh that god had spared him to me i wish he had i said with quiet emphasis i wish he was with you here and now again she gave me a questioning troubled look through her tears then you believe truth to be absolutely binding she asked in a low voice yes in science religion ethics or human action nothing can last nothing can end well that is not built squarely on truth she became very pale but she turned quietly to her piano as she said you are right mr morton there can be no peace not even self-respect without truth my nature would be pitiful indeed if it did not teach me that she had interpreted my words in a way that intensified the influence of mrs yocomb's sermon to be false to the trust that she had led her affianced to repose in her still seemed the depth of degradation i feared that she would take this view at first but believed if my hope had any foundation she would think my words over so often that she would discover a different meaning and my hope was strengthened if she loved mr hearn why did she turn pale and quiet to her piano which had always appeared a refuge to her when i had seemingly spoken words that not only sanctioned but made the course which harmonized with her love imperative even the possibility that in the long days and nights of my delirium i had unconsciously wooed and won her heart so thrilled and overcame me that i dared not trust myself longer in her presence and i went out on the piazza a course eminently satisfactory to mr hearn no doubt i think he regarded our interview as becoming somewhat extended he had glanced at me from time to time but my manner had been too quiet to disturb him and he could not see miss warren's face the words he overheard suggested a theological discussion rather than anything of a personal nature it had been very reassuring to see miss warren turn from me as if my words had ceased to interest her 
and my coming out to talk with ada confirmed the impression made by my manner all along that we were not very congenial spirits it also occurred to me that he did not find chatting with ada a very heavy cross for never had she looked prettier than on that summer evening but now that miss warren was alone he went in and sat down by her saying so loudly that i could not help hearing him as i stood by the window i think you must have worsted mr morton in your theological discussion for he came out looking as if he had a great deal to think about that was not exactly to his taste but miss ada will and then his companion began playing something that drowned his voice End of book second chapter fourteen